We're going to be in Job chapter number one, Job chapter number one. And when you find that, please stand one more time in reverence for God's word this evening. want to minister to you tonight and I want to encourage you and again I, I for some reason the Lord does this to me I don't know why but my text doesn't sound very encouraging <laughs> if you know anything about job chapter number one but I want to encourage you tonight verse 13. If you're there, say amen. All right, if you're not, say oh no. Okay, everybody's there. Job chapter 1 and verse 13. I'm going to read it a little more than usual tonight. This is Job. Job is, just real quick, Job, the Bible describes Job as a perfect and upright man, a righteous man, a man literally that seems that he can do no wrong. And God has blessed him and his family and God actually offers him up to Satan to be tested. That could preach in itself. A lot of people don't, don't want to think about that. But he is literally offered to Satan to be tested. This is where the test begins, verse 13. This is the New American Standard, just so, so you know. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians attacked them and took them. And they also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Turn to your neighbor and say, That's a bad day. But while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's getting worse. Verse 17. While he was yet speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Turn to your neighbor and say, This is bad. This is really, really bad. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. And the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. 
Let us pray. God, we come before you. We thank you for the spirit of worship in this house. We thank you for the people that have assembled together to hear your word. And Lord God, we ask that your word be spoken with authority and power. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. And you may be seated this evening. Tell you a quick story about another gentleman. Many of you may recognize this name. Some of you may not. But his name is Louis Zamperini. Louis Zamperini is a child of Italian, obviously, with the last name, Italian immigrants that came to this country in the early 1900s. He grew up. He grew up in California. He was born in New York, but he grew up in California. And he gave his parents constant trouble. Constant trouble. But his older brother began to introduce him to sports and athletics to take up his time to keep him out of trouble. So he took up track and field, and he became an all-American distance runner, breaking records in the state of California, going on to the University of Southern California and, and breaking records there, all the way to making the U.S. Olympic team that would go to Berlin in 1936 and run in the Berlin Olympics. And he would finish. He, he looked that as the race went on, it looked as if he wasn't even going to be competitive. He was getting stomped, it seemed. But all of a sudden, he created, he, he, he performed what is one of the greatest laps in Olympic history. He broke a world record for one lap in the 5,000 meter run and he caught up and he made eighth place out of all the nations of the world in that event, which they everyone was hopeful. Everyone was looking up because he had a bright future. He was a young man. But then we all know what happened in, Pearl, uh, in 1941 with Pearl Harbor and the United States was plunged into World War II. Louis Zamperini signed on and, and became an army bomber. He worked on a B-52 or B-42, I can't remember, B-47 maybe, I'm not sure. But it was an American bomber, and he was shot down, lived 47 days with a comrade floating in the Pacific until he was captured by the Japanese. He was in a POW camp for two years where he was fed barely at all daily. Uh, he was malnourished. He was uh, skinny to begin with, but they said it was just bones that was just left on his body. And he was singled out because they found out he was an athlete, an Olympic athlete, and he was singled out and tortured because the Americans considered him special. So the Japanese wanted to make extra care to abuse him. So much so that on one occasion he was given a railroad tie and his command, the commanding officer of the prison camp told him, you lift this over your head and if you drop this, I'll kill you. And he sat there, I believe, 12 hours and Louis Zamperini was struggling and struggling. And the commanding officer was sure that he was going, he was so weak, he was so skinny, he was so scrawny, that he would for sure fail. But when the moment, Brother Wade, that he seemed his weakest, his comrades record him as screaming loudly, Brother Justin, and raising 
the bar even higher. This embarrassed the officer. But he knew because of their, their beliefs and practices in Japan, he had to honor his word and he could not kill him. I'm telling you this story because Louis Zamperini would go on, he would be saved at a Billy Graham crusade, live his life to help young people die at 97 years old. But this man was a man that could not be broken. Even when he was shot down, living on a raft for 47 days, he could not be broken. Two years in a POW camp, he could not be broken. Coming back from the war, living with post-traumatic stress disorder, and turning to alcoholism, even alcoholism would be defeated in his life. This man could not be broken. We read in this story of a man that has literally lost everything. There are times in our culture that people say, oh, I've lost everything. But I want you to know that we, we live in this country and we're still very blessed. This man literally lost everything. His source of income, his cattle, his source of food, and his children. He lost it all. Here's what the Bible tells us. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, verse 45. He said that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sinneth rain on the just and the unjust. You say, what does that mean? Let me just translate it for you quickly and simply. It doesn't matter if you're living righteously or unrighteously. We live in a fallen world and bad things happen to good people. And bad things happen to bad people. Mishaps happen to good people. Mishaps happen to bad people. It rains on the just and the unjust. That's what Job is experiencing here. Literally being offered up to be tempted by the devil. The devil told God that if you touch him, if you allow me to touch him and take everything from him, he will deny you. What the devil was saying, he will break and he will turn his back on you. Because all what the devil was saying, he was making a case, the reason that Job loves you is because you've blessed him. The reason God loves you is because, not because you're perfect. God doesn't love you because you're perfect. He loved you first is what the Bible tells us. But I want you to understand that in our Western culture, in our Western culture, what we have taught a generation is that our relationship with God depends on how good He treats us. I want you to know he could not treat us any better than we are being treated right now. Here's what happens. Job goes on. He's lost everything, but he's worshiping and he's blessing the name of the Lord. But we go in to the second chapter and we find that his wife says to him, do you still hold fast? This is Job chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10. Do you still, this is Job's wife speaking, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. 
curse God and die. This is Job's response, but he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept God, good from God and not accept adversity? Hear me. I want you to understand something. I want you to hear me loud and clear. I don't speak from a place of, listen, I, I tell you, I've been blessed. You've been blessed. But we've all walked through some dark valleys. We've all been through, shall I say, stuff. But here's what I find in the Western church, and I'm going to address this, and we're going to get to the encouraging part, because I want you to understand, on your worst day, God is good. And on your best day, God is good. I've told this story from this platform before. A young man, we, we, some family members of mine had, 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 had made connection with this young man. This young man literally w- w- was open about the fact that he hated God. But he found himself in a little church in Waynesville, Ohio, and he found himself crying and weeping under the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. And he began to speak to my family and others, and he began to talk about how he, he grew up in a fatherless home, but his mother was not mentally well and would abuse him and would, would torment him, and, and she would threaten to take his life. She would look at him t- at times as he was going to sleep. He said, I can remember my mother looking at me and saying, you know what, I might just keep kill you tonight and he said where was God in all that and I spoke up and I said he was right there he said how how where was he I said because she wanted to kill you but Steve you're here today 30 years later and you wonder why It's because there was a God. See, we don't want to talk about this because what we hear is blessings, blessings, blessings. I want you to know your next breath is a blessing. I want you to understand that because our Bible teaches us to walk humbly. This is what James chapter 4 says. Listen, the humble, those who humble themselves, they will be lifted up. But Job tells his wife, he says, pretty much you want to serve God when it's good? But not when it's bad. You want to serve God when it's good, but not when it's bad. I want you to know it takes more faith. I have found in my personal life, I draw closer to the Lord when things aren't going the way I want them to go. It builds my faith. Sometimes it builds your faith uh, when, when you have to walk through things and you, you want healing, but the healing doesn't come, but you walk through it anyway. And it builds your faith. I want you to understand that that God is good. But this world is fallen. Job, again, has lost everything. But him, like Louis Zamperini, was unbroken. He could not be broken. Job was, as you read through the Bible, Job got upset. Didn't understand what was going on. But Justin, the Bible says again and again, he sinned not with his lips. He sinned not with his lips. And he didn't, as we just read, blame God. 
say, how is this encouraging? Glad you asked. Because I want you to hear me tonight. It doesn't matter what hell has unleashed on your life. It doesn't matter what's going on in situations that you have no control over. I want you to understand this tonight. uh, That you need to be as Job. You need to be as Louis Zamperini. You need to be as David. When David was being hunted, he could still be in a cave hiding for his life from Saul uh, and sing praises and glorify God. Hear me, when David was overthrown by his own son, his own son overthrew him. He's on the run. His son wants to kill him. He could write psalms as such as Psalms 3 and say, you know what? My enemies are all around me, but when I laid down, the Lord sustained me. He kept me another night. I want you to know it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You need to tell the devil and make it clear. Listen, you can throw anything you want at me, but me and my house will remain unbroken. We will stand steadfast. We will be unmovable. We will be found abounding in the work of the Lord. That I want you to hear me tonight. We need to stand as a lighthouse in the storm and say, you know what? You can get dark. You can flash all around me. You can pound me. You can throw me on the ground. But I'm still going to shine. I'm still going to declare the goodness of God. I'm still going to worship I'm still going to pray. Oh, you need to be up on your feet tonight because I want you to hear me. You've been going through some stuff, but I want you to know this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can you be unbroken when it's all falling apart? When things don't go your way? Hear me tonight. David faced these things, but the Bible tells us something significant about our Savior. That Jesus was beaten, he was bruised, he was bloody. But here's what John records in John 19, that they were going to break his legs, but for some reason they stopped and they decided to puncture him underneath his ribs. You say, this sounds awful, but here's what John records. This is a prophecy that is fulfilled because Jesus could not be broken. His body could not be broken. I want you to know when Jesus was dying on the cross for yours and my sins, he stood there, he hung there, and he did it with an unbroken spirit. He said, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for these children. I'm doing this for generations and generations to come. I want you to know with the weight of the world literally resting on his shoulders, Jesus hung on the cross knowing that he could call 12 legions of angels to come in save him but he said no there's someone in Connorsville Indiana that's going to need my blood to be applied to their sin there's someone that needs me in Connorsville Indiana that needs my stripes to be claimed for their healing no I'm going to hang here with them mocking me with them beating me and I will be unbroken to understand this tonight it doesn't matter what is coming at you what matters is what God is doing in you I want you to know I understand something little little spiritual life 101 little lesson here when hell's breaking out in your life it's because heaven's wanting to break through understand that 
When hell's starting to just break out in your life uh, and it's problem after problem, uh, I want you to know that just confirms uh, that there's something greater uh, around the corner. Uh, I want you to know I've been through things. Uh, I've seen things. Uh, I've had things happen in my life, uh, things I don't understand. Uh, but I want you to know that his promises uh, are yes and amen. Uh, what he promised me five years ago, uh, he's going to bring about. Uh, I don't know when, uh, but I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm going to be unbroken. Uh, I'm going to worship. Uh, I'm not going to worship out of a place of defeat. No, I'm going to say, I thank you, Lord. That is coming to pass. My family's coming in. This generation's going to see revival. I thank you, Lord. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm going to stand up. I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to declare that you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. I want you to hear me tonight. I will be unbroken. You will be unbroken. You worship like you've never worshipped. You pray like you've never prayed. You fast like you've never fasted. You declare God's word like you've never declared it. I want somebody to take authority and say, devil, I want you to know that I am unbroken. They'll come to the music tonight. The Bible tells us Jesus in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, is baptized in Matthew chapter 3. And the Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Drop a little side note here. Anybody ever been in this place where you feel just dry? Hey, I got my hand up. I've been there. Some of you may be there right now. I want you to understand this. The Spirit led Jesus to a place where it was dry. And guess what? He was fasting. See, it doesn't sound like something God would do. Listen, church, I want you to know, read your Bible. Learn the character of God. You would be surprised. But the Bible says this, that after 40 days, he hungered. Have you ever thought that sometimes God puts you in the wilderness so you can develop a hunger? He's going to put you in a wilderness so you can figure out whether you're hungry for the right things or not. But he's in the wilderness. And Justin, the devil comes and begins to tempt. We've heard this preached on, but I want you to understand the importance of it. Because there's times. There's times. I don't know what to pray. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. But there's times I step up on a I wake up on a Wednesday morning. I don't know what I'm going to preach on a Wednesday night. And I'm like, Lord, I have I've got nothing all week. But then I do what Jesus did. The enemy comes and begins to, hey, why don't you turn this, these stones into bread? Won't you cast yourself down from the temple? Why, why, why don't you just look at and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And every time, Jesus said, but God's word. But God's word. But God's word. I want you to know, there are times that the enemy comes and you don't feel like you have the strength. 
But it's like I've preached before, and I'll say it again. I'll say it a thousand times before I die, if not 10,000. I don't serve Jesus based on what I feel. I serve him based on what I know. And here's what I know, that his word is true. Listen, when, when, when these altars are full, and you see me, Pastor and I and many people in this house praying for people, I want you to understand, it's not like we have a prophetic word for everybody. But you know what? I, I can speak for myself. What I do, I just declare the word of God. God, here's what your word says. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you know what else your word says? You've come to give us life, life more abundantly. I just quote the word. Why? Because Jesus in his driest state said, but the word, but the word, but the word. And the Bible says that Satan left and that God sent angels to minister to him. I want you to realize on the other side of this thing, I, 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 I feel this. On the other side of what you're going through, of what you may sense going on in your spirit, if you just say, you know what, I'm not going to be broken. I'm not going to be broken. I want you to understand the ministry that he's going to perform in your life. You're going to look back at the wilderness and it, it's not going to seem that long. It's not going to seem that dry. It's not going to seem that desolate. But you have to make up in your mind, I will not be broken. Job lost it all. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me speak to those that say, there's stuff going on in my life. I don't know why God's allowing it to happen. I got some divine revelation for you. I don't know either. Last time I checked, I'm not God. His ways are higher than mine. And if I knew his ways, I'd be God. That's why I don't know him. That's why his ways are high above mine. I don't know why. You may be going through what you're going through. But here's what I do know. He's still faithful. Here's what I do know. In my darkest of nights, He still met me. In my worst of days, I can go to a place of prayer. And guess what, Justin? He's still there. And here's what I know as well. That when the enemy attacks my, my life, my family, he's tried to do it. Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit has given me boldness. To get up with some attitude and say, not today, Satan. No, no, no. Not today. So hear me. Hear me. Stop. I'm going to teach you. Stop. Can I, be, can I just be a pastor here for a moment? Stop being a victim. Stop being a victim. Stop wanting pity. Because when Jesus was hanging on a cross, 
He didn't ask anybody to cry for him. He just did it anyway. And you can say, well, he was Jesus. And, da, da, da. and I was like, guess what? He was human. And he overcame it. And this is what he told the disciples. I've overcome so you can overcome. Don't be a victim. Don't tell me how bad they treated you. Listen, there's people that have been treated worse. Could you imagine being Job? And having all ten of your children gone in one day? I know what it's like to lose one child. Could I imagine losing my entire family in one day? And he worshipped. And he worshipped. You see, because that's faith. That's true faith. That's true relationship. Though you slay me, yet I will serve you. You know who said that? Job. So stand across this house tonight. Listen to this preacher. I want to encourage you. You're going to make it. But you're going to have to make up in your mind that you will not be broken. Hear me, I want to read you this portion of Scripture. My Bible tells me this in 2 Corinthians. Many of you know where I'm going. Chapter 4. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let me just stop right there. That the excellency of His power may be found in God, not in us. Because I will tell you what is the, t- the testimonies that encourage me the most is there have been times that people have come up to me and said, what blessed me is you worshipped when I wouldn't have worshipped. And there's people that can say that about you. Because what you don't understand, even when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil and have peace and have joy and still worship and still pray. And you don't even realize that you're ministering to the person next to you. That's what he's saying here. Let it be, let let, let that power, may it be of God and not of us. It's not in us. Catch this, verse 8. We are troubled on every side. Can someone say amen? Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Here's what Paul says to the Roman church. Nay, in all these things, Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Heard a preacher say that. That is the three most powerful words in a Christian's life. Is, for, is that I am persuaded. That means you are convinced. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
you can be going through the lowest of lows and feel that love. But here's the thing. Job was convinced that even at his worst, that God still loved him. And I want you to hear me tonight. You may think, I've made too many mistakes. I've gone too far. I haven't felt God in a long time. Hear me. Get hungry. Because those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Translation, those who are hungry and thirsty for what is right, for Christ, shall be filled. So let me ask you this, and I'm done. Will you be unbroken? You say, well, my flesh, I feel like everything's falling apart. But listen, your spirit, that's who I'm talking to. Will your spirit be unbroken? Say, I know God is still good. I know God is still faithful. I know God still has a plan for my life. And many of you may say, I have a call on my life and I just nothing. I feel like nothing's happening, Pastor Jade. I feel like nothing's happening. I want you to know, stay unbroken. Keep walking. As Louis Zamperini still keep holding up the standard. Deliverance will come. Deliverance will come. So if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I just need encouragement. I'm here for you tonight. This word's for you tonight. I want you to come. I want you to come to these altars. And I, I, I'm going to ask Pastor to come. And we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray with you. And if you're here tonight and you say, I'm just battling. I know God's got this, but I just need some strength. A little push, a little nudge. Hey, we're going to pray for you. If you're here tonight and you'll say this, I feel this, that I'm sick and tired of being a victim. We want to pray with you tonight. Because you're not a victim. You live in victory because of Christ. So these altars are open. Come, stand. We'll pray with you. We're going to anoint you. We're going to pray with you. So come. I know there's more than one in this house. I know there's more than two in this house. Some of you have just been going through it. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Come tonight. Come.